Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Jasmine, I know your voice isn't really there today, but last night, I don't know, like I was super, super hot last night. We're having like a heat wave, yeah. Um, but also I was just like tossing and turning. I woke up like three times in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if like you ever struggle with your good night's sleep. I do. But well, I've been... Not often. Not right, often. Sometimes. Yeah, you, you like a pretty sound sleeper. Me, mm-hmm. I toss and turn all over the place. But if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, we got something for you. It's time to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds and wheelchairs, which are really, really important. In 2016, the brothers, they finally decided to use their patent comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. The Purple mattress is going to feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that maybe you were used to growing up with. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool, which is something that you know I got to take yeah. care of. 100-night risk-free trial for purple. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund backed by a 10-year warranty, which I know is really important to you, Jasmine, when you were buying things, you're all about the warranties. Definitely. Free shipping and returns and free in-home setup and old mattress removal. I know that you're going to love Purple. And right now, our listeners at Starving for Attention, you'll get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text STARVING to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text STARVING to 84-888. That's STARVING in capital, S-T-A-R-V-I-N-G to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Go get that purple mattress and your free pillow. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Starving for Attention. Richard and Jasmine Blaze here. Uh, Sally's here as well. She did not want a mic, but often she accompanies us here with the open. Uh, quick little thing uh, that we have to throw out there. Jasmine Blaze. Yeah. You don't have much of a voice for this open. I don't have much of a voice. I got that like sultry, uh, you know, sultry voice thing going. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not like a show or an act. I, I just don't have a voice. Yeah, this is kind of like... <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm being held to my contract here, so I wasn't able to take a day. Uh, last time I'm here. First of all, you have no contract. <laughs> uh, you do have some moral obligations to be a part of the open for sure. Thank you for uh, roughing it out with us. Jasmine has little voice. You hear the rasp in her voice. It's kind of been like, you know, like if I was married to Rachel Ray over the last couple totally. of Totally. Like, I do have a little bit of Rachel Ray in here. A exactly. Bit. And it's, it's like, it, it makes me want to clear my throat all the time. So we're not going to uh, ask you to do too much. Don't ask me to do too much. much. Like, I can't sing right now. Heavy it wouldn't, lifting. wouldn't work. There will yeah. be no, um, no uh, podcast for me. Yeah. karaoke happening today. Yeah. Uh, did, you lost it. Was it, was it coaching <laughs> I soccer? I lost it coaching, yeah, coaching peewee soccer. So um, 
I think just and I don't, you told me I didn't even talk that much, so I'm not really sure what happened. I, Maybe I, my own internal monologue was uh, making my voice go. I think the excitement of it all, uh, and the first time you do get out there and have to project. Well, with a bunch I of am just like everybody pitch. else in that I've already Googled like all of my symptoms, and I'm most likely going to be okay. But there's like a 25 percent chance I'm going to die from all of this. Well, this so. is though uh, just digging into your. Your your personality. Oh, yeah. There. Any anytime I, by anything the way, is wrong with you. I googled tuberculosis today. Oh, because <laughs> I heard I heard a a, a a news story on the on the ra- on the public radio this morning driving to the gym, and it was like there's there's three cases of tuberculosis in San Diego, and I was like, oh my god, I might be I, the fourth. You're the fourth. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're, you're near patient zero. Well, hopefully that's not the case. Thanks. And uh, I can just say, since I've known you for many years, since we've been Same. married yeah. for 13, uh, um, that you do this all the time. Yeah. We call this Alligator Alley I Syndrome. go down the wormhole pretty yeah. good. Pretty, pretty instantly. I mean, too. this is a fun little story. Alligator Alley Syndrome, which is a story that I don't we've think we've ever... It. Have yeah. we? Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a, a stretch of road somewhere in the swamps of Florida called Alligator Alley. I think what it connects east and west coast of Florida, basically. Yeah. And at one point in our uh, courtship, um, we had to drive across it before like internet and smartphones were really what they were. <clears throat> yeah, and, and we almost ran out of gas. That's we almost pretty ran much out of it. Gas. And then we convinced ourselves that like. Uh, there was a man in the back seat that had punctured the gas tank, and you know, there's all kinds of crazy yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, we went so. from uh, we're we're kind of running out of gas. I don't think we're going to make it to we're going to be kidnapped and living in the back of a swamp shack for yeah. the rest of our lives. And most of this is because of you. Yeah, you go down possible. the deep dark road sometimes. Someone has to. Someone uh, has to suss out those dark corners and just make sure, you know, just I, in case. I agree. You know what? I just had this little moment of like fast. 40 into like what's going to be a response to this episode and someone's going to be like I love the new co-host <laughs> <laughs> ah, perfect ah, good which I think will be a lot of fun yeah, um, be great. but I will not ask you to do too much more talking but uh, Michael Mina is this episode really really amazing find because we got to chat with him in our backyard he's opened yeah. up a restaurant here yep uh, in uh, North County of San Diego with Aisha Curry one of their international um, called smoke international smoke which mm-hmm. I think he said they have four locations that's beautiful um but Michael Mina, who you had not met him before, no. uh, and a lot of people, Sally, you didn't know who he was when we asked before we had in, went into the interview. One of my all-time heroes, and I know I'm very flowery, and I, I talk in, in you know, these grand uh, hero-like terms with so many of our guests because I'm a fan of our industry, but Michael Mina, truly someone who I've sat down in his restaurants and just been like, this guy is doing the multi-concept consultant restaurateur. I'm going to open up a hundred restaurant things the way, the right way. Right. Uh, and I think he, he demonstrated that in this whole interview, didn't he? Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean, just like class act all yeah. the way. Uh, just makes delicious food. You know, another you know, fine dining chef who has just, you know, got over 50 concepts, I think is what he said. Uh, and just textbook. For how to do it in a different way. You know, we, 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 we talk about our work with like a Crack Shack that's got multiple locations. We've talked about Shake Shack on this show. We've talked about fast food. Um, we talked to the Luke's Lobster guys about, you know, rolling out multiple units with one concept. But Michael Mina, they're all different. He's got a barbecue restaurant, steakhouse, fine dining, uh, you know, Middle Eastern snacks, uh, concession stands, all of these sort of things. So blown away by the professionalism of Michael Mina. And I always love a chef that shows up in a chef coat. Totally, yes. Which is just one of my favorite things. Um, but he was kind of uh, swimming in his chef coat. He was. He, he um, Well, because, you know, 
we we are a professional outfit here and we do some research on our guests before they come in um and the uh the old wikipedia picture <laughs> that Ooh. that was up for michael mina um definitely showed him a, a, a bit heavier than uh, a good bit heavier than he was when he walked in the door when we saw him Yes, uh, he looked great, and uh, 50 pounds or so, I think yeah. is what he said, that he's been down. Which, by the way, can someone change my Wikipedia picture uh, while you mention that? It's Be a careful. hard thing to change. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah, you got to – oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> but, like, that's a hard one to change. But, yeah, he definitely looked really, really good. He mentioned uh, – he's going to get into it, but briefly we talked about yeah, well, I mean, his I health think and fitness plan. The, the uh, trend of chefs getting in shape is not going anywhere. That's, I think, what we can say safely. Yes. So this has been something we've talked about frequently on Starving for Attention uh, that, you know, chefs now not being the rock stars in the party, yeah. you know, Bacchus, uh, you know, party uh, boys and girls that they were are now like running marathons and taking care of themselves and, uh, playing sports and being, you know, weekend warriors when they can find the time. So Mina looked great. Speaking of which the whole life challenge yes. that everyone knows we're a part of, if yep. you don't, uh, help us out and join our team in late September where team trailblazers, We'll be leading another group. So our whole life challenge just ended six weeks yeah. later. Sally's here. Sally, how old are you? Jeez. <laughs> I never ask a lady how old. What's Sa- wrong with you? Sally is uh, my mother-in-law. Listen, um, we, but- we led a team of almost 400 people. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I think it was awesome to hear everybody's stories through those six weeks and kind of get a glimpse into their lives and how they handled the um, challenges of the challenge, right? Yeah, I, I guess, uh, sorry to put you on the spot, Sally, but uh, I guess the reason why I threw that out there is because you've done this whole life challenge with us a number of times, and I feel like it's, it's like three times, and it's really made a big difference, I feel like, in your lifestyle. And so, I, I mean, why I'm saying that is it's, it's, it's people of all different uh, walks of life, different ages, and 75. also... 75. <laughs> She's throwing it out there. You're very brave. I apologize. This is a horrible thing uh, for, uh, for, for, for your son to say. Um, but it's people that are coming in also like, Hey, maybe I haven't really exercised at all. Maybe like fitness isn't something I've even thought of, you know, certainly nutrition might not be something that's a part of my life, but hundreds of people, uh, we've helped impact. So join, join us in September. Um, yeah, we'll put a link up. We'll link it up, throw it on the starving for pod. We'll throw it on the Richard blaze Instagram accounts, probably on the Twitter. Um, and that is again, people who are in the food world and a lot Mm. of our trailblazers are industry people. Yeah. Um, that have done this. And yeah, maybe it's been uh, losing five pounds or 10 pounds. But more importantly, it's sort of just like, I think, helping with a healthy lifestyle. Certainly, Michael Mina's, um, you know, another example of this. Like Speaking of a healthy lifestyle, you uh, threw out that first pitch for the Padres, made a nice healthy snap in the glove. Ooh, ooh, thank you. First week. of all, I really appreciate this because there was a moment uh, the night after I threw my first pitch where I think I was um, watching yeah, videos yeah. of like other people throwing out first pitches so that I could gauge the quality of my first pitch. <clears throat> Ridiculous. So thanks for bringing it up because yeah, I no think problem. at a certain point you're like, okay, uh, it's not that big. Of well, a like, you know, 48 hours later, I feel like we should probably can put it away at least like. This is true. Regaling but, everybody of the stories of your first pitch. But thank you for giving me the platform to actually talk about it one more time here in the last couple of minutes. I mean, me and Brett open. Tomko are, are, con- are conspiracy <sighs> theory Tomko. behind the Tomko, scenes I on owe, this stuff. I owe, I owe him a meeting, which, by the way, he's got a Dodger, uh, you know, Believe uh, Dodgers podcast. B-L-E-A-V, Oops. Dodgers podcast. Brett Tomko hosting that. If you do like baseball or the Dodgers, if you're a fan of uh, professional athletes, that's our friend Brett Tomko. He's got a new podcast up. Nice. Um, but yeah, you guys are talking smack on the DMs of my <laughs> social media pages. Here's the thing with first pitches. He just said it was a bit outside. 
It was a bit outside. Listen, it was my third first pitch ever. Mm -hmm. And I have learned from the two other times, right? So listen, someone's listening to this podcast and you might throw out a first pitch one day because this is the other thing I was actually telling our Padres people that like every day a a major league baseball team plays 80 something home games, 81 home games a year and three or four people every home game throws out a first pitch. Do the math real quick. That's four people, 81 times for 20-something major league teams. I can't do that math. Uh, You're not going to get it? Hundreds of people. Hundreds and hundreds of yeah, people. definitely. Yeah, thousands <laughs> of people. Uh, and there's like a, a weird, it's a weird moment because mm-hmm. a lot of people are throwing a ball for the first time ever. Or, for or, the first time or throwing time. it in that way, like in that distance, like to a catcher. Like there's probably lots of little variables, right? Exactly. So, you know, I'm an, a data guy. So I wanted to make sure that I did not bounce one because the last first pitch I threw out, which was for the Padres as well, I almost it bounced. Dig it out of the dirt? Um, and catcher? another major league friend of ours, uh, AJ Przinsky, uh, was the catcher on the opposing team. And before I went out there, he said, don't bounce it. Which they is all say that. What everyone tells Every you. single person said that to you. It's amazing. Like, obviously, it's yes. not like a good luck in show business. Right. It's, uh... And everyone knows, everyone's seen the 50 cent first pitch that went into the dugout. Everyone's seen the uh, Baba Booey, Howard Stern first pitch that rolls into the other dugout. There's some embarrassing moments. I think one of the Bush presidents also had a, a pretty embarrassing first pitch if I remember. I think there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. So I wanted to, to, to pop the, the glove and uh, I warmed up a little bit. So maybe I threw a rubber ball at home uh, two hours before we got there. Uh, but here's what you have to do if you're throwing out a first pitch. You have to understand that it's 90 feet away. It's pretty far. You have to understand that if you're going to get close to the mound in the rubber, that uh, it's pretty, it's on an incline, right? So uh, it's not just throwing a ball straight. You're actually going to sort of be falling down a hill as you throw it, which is going to force your arm down, which is why most people like bounce the follow their through, throw. Takes it down. Um, and then the last thing, and this is the part that I even struggled with the other day, is it's not the pressure of having what was 35,000 people in the stands or whatever it is. It's the fact that when you're on the mound, there's so many things to look at. It's so distracting mm. to actually focus your eyesight on like the glove and home plate. That reminds me of that Kevin really Costner tough. baseball movie. Which is a really good for love of the game, I think <clears> was one, the yeah. name of the movie. Yeah. Where Kevin Costner is a Detroit Tiger. Yeah, not the not the other one. What's the other one where he oh, build it and they'll come? That one. Oh yeah, no, not, not that one. Not the ooh, other which, one. Which, by the way, though, that's the one of the classic classic movies. baseball movie. But this, I'm uh, talking Field about the other Dreams. one where he like. Okay. It's like a practice of yes. um, mindfulness, essentially. Or, I mean, it's a yoga yes. thing. But yes, it's like where you block out all the other. Lock. Pieces. I think it's something like he's like clear the mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's the it, line that's of it. the movie. It is right. a really, really great movie. The other one is Field of Dreams. That's a baseball classic. That's not what we're talking about. All time favorite baseball movie though is The Natural. Sandlot. Where, whatever. Oh, You're no. crazy. It's The Natural where Robert Redford <laughs> is hitting home runs off of uh, the light fixtures and blowing out light bulbs in 1930s era baseball. Uh, but um, don't get distracted. I did not bounce it. Did I not. thought I threw I wanted to throw it hard. I didn't want to throw it wild. Uh, it did pop the glove a little bit. As Brett Tomko let you know in the DM, the catcher framed it up a little bit to make it look more like a strike. Um, but then when I went back and watched it, there's a little bit of arc. Out of the arc. The yeah, there was an arc. Yeah. And if, if you got an arc, that's called a hanger in baseball. <laughs> yeah, Those are the ones usually put people put yeah. on roofs. But... <laughs> Here's my thing. Major League Baseball teams. Well, let's be honest. Minor League Baseball teams. I'm ready for your D-list celebrity game. Yeah. Like sure. I'm ready for the day before the All-Star game when you need a third Would baseman or a second. I'll do whatever they need oh, me okay. to do. I am a gamer. Uh, speaking of gamers, you ready for some football? It's officially happening this week and it's time to get in all the exciting action. Week one NFL kickoff of the season's here. The wait's over. 
And if you're looking to place or make your online wagers, we got the place for you to head on over to. Go to betonline.ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Huge matchups in week one. I know you're making fun of the way I say huge. Green Bay's at Chicago. Atlanta's at Minnesota. The Rams are playing at Carolina. Pittsburgh's at New England. But here's how it's going to work. Each week, Jasmine and I will be submitting five picks of winners. Straight pickums, No lines. This week, we picked uh, a couple of the highlight games. I'm taking the Eagles, who are playing at home against the Redskins. I picked the uh, Browns. Jasmine jumped in and picked the Browns. That was kind of the one that was like our fifth pick. I'm not too sure. We're taking the Seahawks at home. I'm taking the Cowboys at home against the Giants. And our last pick, take the Patriots at home Sunday night against the Steelers. My strategy was pretty simple. I just took the teams that were giving away the most points. So this should be pretty easy, although the Browns, you never know what's going to happen with no. the Cleveland Browns. But the fun thing about this is those are our five picks. We're going up against other Podcast One hosts like Shaq, which is making my dreams come true. But if we win, that means five of our lucky listeners will be selected to receive $100 in their bet online account. They'll also be do- donating $5,000 to the winning host's charity of choice. Is there anything better than doing some good while you're watching football? Football season is here. You can join the full conversation on Twitter at hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. Plus, when you sign up, use promo code podcast number one, podcast one, to receive a 50% sign up bonus today. Again, that's promo code podcast one for 50% off when you sign up today. Join us, throw down with our bets right here. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Jasmine, thank you so much for hanging in there yeah. with a lost voice. I know all the way through the open. Uh, It's time to get into it. Here's a tremendous talent, the amazing Michael Mina. Michael Mina. Yeah. What's going on, Chef? How you doing, man? Now, usually, first of all, we are blessed enough that every once in a while on the podcast, we get to um, be in someone's restaurant. Yeah. Rarely are we greeted at the door <laughs> by the celebrity chef that we oh, are chatting come on. with. Come like, on. But I feel like that's like a pretty big indication of maybe how you just go about like your business, right? Like hospitality oh, is... Yeah. It was yeah. great. Or was yeah. it just good timing? Or was no. it, <laughs> it, it a combination of both? Let's let, let's take uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the kudos for the hospitality piece. But, nice, nice. The, but, that, that, that it was a little bit random that you happened it, to be uh, the first <laughs> the face that we saw. Well, it was a, a class act. That's for sure. <laughs> well, no, you weren't I, setting the tables. I was waiting for you. <laughs> you, were, you, were you. You weren't out with the uh, the Michelin star ruler for the for the no. silverware. <laughs> no, not today. Not, not today. Not today. No. Um, also, what we don't usually do, not because. Because basically, most of our, not all of our guests are in as great shape as you are right are now. Are you kidding me? I mean, uh, we see each other on tour here and there yeah, and yeah. on the circuit. You know, you look great. Like, thank just, you. Thank you. I've actually, I've actually lost 51 pounds in the last six months. Wow. Okay. Congrats. So, right. so, so it yeah. definitely is a new, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, and I know you did it too in life, you know. Our, our industry's hard, right? So you have your ups and your downs and in many different ways, you know? Yeah. Right. And weight seems to kind of... It's hard to... It's always been hard for me to not... Uh, to not have the weight kind of go with the ups and downs. Yeah. And so, you and me both. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's tough. But 51 down, that's literally, yeah. that's not a small task. That's not just like, oh, it's between restaurant openings or something like that. Right. That's a decision. Which is never for you, right. yeah. by the no, way. No. Uh, <laughs> not between. <laughs> right. Uh, so, was, I mean, this is... Uh, so, what are you doing yeah. then? What's, what's, what's so, caused the... Um, 
pseudo keto. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So okay. I'd say that, you know, that's what I'm trying to follow. But so no pasta, no grains, yeah, stuff like that, no flour. All yeah. of it. Sugar mm. was the big one, mm. you know, yeah. for me because yeah. I, I got a sweet tooth. So mm-hmm. staying away from that, trying as much as possible to stay away from the late night eating. Yes. You know? yeah, well, yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, all of those things are like, that's runs through our industry, right? Yeah. Like the late night eating is yeah. one yeah. that I think for me initially, like when I did gain weight, it was just that. Like you yeah. work all day, you're tasting food all day long. All day long. Then you go home, yeah. you're right. like, I'm going to have a pizza and a bottle of wine. Right. And or you do you, that right. every day for right. 70 days in a row, right. like I did. Uh, right. And it's not good. And 100%. And you just can't, you know, some, and it's just that cycle, right? Because then you can't get into the good cycle of actually feeling good enough, feeling good enough about yourself to go work out and to do the, to do all the, right. you know, so yeah. it just kind of, you're not waking up early. <laughs> right. So, you know, cause yeah, cause you ate the pizza the uh-huh. night before. Yeah. <laughs> right. So waking right. up early yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. is not really an option. Right? And, so. and you, and you tell yourself, um, for the like fitness side of it, like, yeah. especially when, like as a, as a younger cook, you're like, no, yeah. I spin around in a circle for 12 hours a day <laughs> that's in the four foot area. Yeah. Right. And you know, I make, I made 60 trips to the walk-in today. Right. So that's enough exercise. Right. Right. Usually it's not. (laughs) So the nutrition is is keto-esque, which I – and I also love how you say that because the fact is you're a chef. Mm -hmm. And like we just got finished with something called like Whole Life Challenge, unaffiliated with the pod, just to be clear. But it is the same sort of thing. It's like, Uh well, it's it's no dairy, no sugar, no soy. Uh But then every once in a while, I'm a chef in a restaurant that has to taste a dish or I'm on a television show and I have to – yeah. Taste yeah. the cream sauce that that cook made in 15 minutes. <laughs> right. And that's my job. Right. So I have right. to do it. Yeah. And you're, exactly. Like you said, I mean, we still have to taste. We're going to taste all day long. The, the, you, you know, you learn to taste, to just actually just yeah, right. taste. Ooh, right. which, which, that's an issue, but that is a, that's, so did you have to like rework that side of it? hundred percent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the difference of a spoonful versus a bowlful. Yeah, yeah, yeah back of the spoon. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. for one, one of my favorite, and I've brought it up on the pod before, is one of my favorite quotes, uh, the Marco Pierre White, White mm. Heat book, where he's mm. like, in the morning I taste a fistful of mashed potatoes. Mm. I think that's why I became a chef. Right. Because I was like, right. I get to eat a fistful <laughs> of mashed potatoes <laughs> every, every day, every two services a day? Yeah. Um, you don't need the fistful. Just, no. <laughs> back of the spoon. Yeah. yeah. That's the way to do it, yeah. which is probably better for judging yeah. sauces. 100%. <laughs> anyway, uh, what about fitness? I know you're a big sports guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's um, I the thing that I was doing CrossFit a few years ago and, and loved it. Um, it was a really big commitment, um, yeah. and so this time around, what I tried to do is say, what am I going to actually stick to? Yeah, you know what? Right. So just you know, because of the travel, so like just get something. So my same coach with the CrossFit coach kind of gave me some some simple things in the room you know squats push-ups sit-ups different different yeah. exercises you can do in the room so you don't have the excuse of time and not going down to the gym because you know because <laughs> like you know we're in these hotels all the time so now you got to figure out your timing to get to the gym and all of that and then try to like do something cardio three three days a week right three, so, okay but program. at least do something like at least six days a week, do something. Yeah, Just nice. CrossFit, though. Right. I don't know if I would have taken you as a cross. I, I, if I was I a CrossFitter. I, yeah. okay. <laughs> Trust me, it's not like I was out competing. Like my partner and everything, Patrick and Mina Group, that's out competing all the time. Right. I was wow. just doing enough to get by. <laughs> yeah, because I would. It would I, being like an obsessive personality. Like if I was into CrossFit and I travel a lot as well, like it would drive me crazy. Because be like, I need an abandoned truck tire right now. Yeah. Where is exactly. it? I'm in Cincinnati. Where can I find <laughs> yeah. a big old tractor? 
trailer tire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what are you? Are you a golf guy at all? Not at all. Okay. Um, I wish. I wish I had the patience. <laughs> the time I just, and the patience. Yeah. I, I think even if I ever found the time, I don't know. if I'm wired right with the patience. Mm. Oh, there you go. Just, right. I just don't know. It, if I have and I'm not either. I, I just there's you know your so many of your uh, projects have this have luxury yeah. tied to them. Yeah. So mm. I thought maybe you're, you're out there you know playing nine holes here <laughs> yeah. and there. But I love how you mentioned the patience yeah. of it. Is yeah. it because do you have to wrestle with the fact that you have how many projects do you have now? We have 47 restaurants. 47. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. like, cruising up on 50 mm-hmm. operations, operations that, and as, yeah. as everyone knows, one is a struggle. Right. So, yeah. you're out, you would be out there playing golf, uh-huh. thinking about, about so many different things. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't see it as a place to clear my head. You know? <laughs> where, where, so how do you clear your head? I, I mean, honestly, the, my, my favorite place um to go is hawaii you know? ah, and I, yeah. I have a house there and, and it's on the kailua side and um and that's that's the best place like okay that, that there's i've got a routine when i'm there that really just gets me back into a good space yeah no i was so, I, so which, I, the reason i do this kailua, which island is kailua is that um maui or big island it's big island, big island kailua. okay yeah. nice oh, yeah oh so oh, Oahu. Oh, okay yeah. okay um we just came back from hawaii where we spent a couple weeks a year as yeah. well yeah. so we are the reason i did one of these yes. is I, we are a married couple yes. and like i'm pitching the moment i'm pitching the he's like, pitching the hawaii just, house yeah like <laughs> it's changed it's, your life it is yeah it is i i i you know i know it I know, I know it feels like now we're ganging up on you. Yeah. <laughs> but how many we more kind people? of are. Yeah. But I got to say, and just in how, you know, how life works now, I mean, you know, you can take a flight on Friday, you know, mm-hmm. Friday morning, if you can get away for a weekend or whatever. And then literally you take, I take a red eye back Sunday night and I, yeah, well. I'll, I'll, you know, because if you don't have to pack anything, you don't mm-hmm. have to do anything. True. You just yeah. jump on a plane, you get there, you go to your place, right. you kind of have it set up, and you can really get a good break. Like, you nice. can really get your head clear. So, most of the time, you're flying from San Francisco? From San Francisco. How yeah. long is that flight? It's kind um, of the six, same as six it, like, and a half? Six, what is it? It's five hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's not bad. I did make the mistake on this most recent trip, though, I had to be in New York the day uh-huh. after. Oof. Yeah. Oh, that's So, now that becomes a little bit of a. <laughs> right. Like, if you yeah, got to do yeah. a morning show in New York and you're, yeah. you know, Leaving, you're kind of it's a tr- it's a flight to Europe. Basically. It's a flight, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that become that can become challenging. But there yeah. is like Hawaii's probably the, the one place where it's like, oh yeah, I don't. Oh, it's, it's um, amazing. I don't I have do to do. I'm, I'm not really feeling like I have to put up an Instagram post. Yeah, or I have to check in. And and honestly, like the schedule, the timing is just so amazing because for me, I get you know I'll wake up. I wake up really early. You know when I'm there, I wake up about six thirty in the morning when I'm here. But there, I still wake up at like three thirty, four o'clock, and um, and then you kind of wake up, you get everything done that's happening on the East Coast for, for me, right. right? Go work out, go get to be do something, do the West Coast, and then all of a sudden it's like nine in the morning, and you feel like you've right. you know you've really kind of <laughs> yeah. hit everything, and then a, and you can be done because yeah. everybody else is yeah. like closing out yeah. their work day. And then yeah, you've got the rest great. of the day <laughs> time traveling for one hundred and twenty years. S. Pellegrino sparkling mineral water has been an iconic symbol of style and taste thanks to its Italian heritage. By the way, I've been like just craving pasta 
I'm Ooh. just total sidebar right here, Pellegrino. Ooh. Like, I'm sure, and Delicious. we know Pellegrino works really, really great with pasta. In a world of unlimited choices, the iconic green bottle with the red star, the one right here in front of me as we're recording this podcast, has become a universal beacon of unique taste experiences. And with its distinctive gentle bubbles, subtle nuances, and perfect mineral balance, S. Pellegrino not only pairs well, it enhances the taste of nearly all cuisines, even spicy chicken sandwiches. That's why I serve it in all of my restaurants and enjoy it at home with my family. It's these special experiences with family and friends that matter most. A crowded dinner table. You know, the shared moment. A time to reconnect, tell stories, be thankful, laugh, and have fun. And as we head into the back half of this year, plan for unforgettable meals and most memorable moments with S. Pellegrino on the table, you'll find a moment of great taste waiting to be enjoyed. To unlock more tasteful moments and culinary tips, visit www.sanpellegrino.com slash US. That's www.sanpellegrino.com slash US. You got a number of uh, restaurants uh, on the island. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Because I also love Hawaiian cuisine. Um, I you, love it. I'm do, like do you dabble in it at all in, in your I have, Hawaiian restaurants? I have restaurants? an amazing partnership with... I don't know if you've been to, in Oahu, there's a restaurant called MW, and it's Michelle and Wade, their husband and wife. Mm. Um, I, was, I met them, and, and they just epitomized Hawaii to me. Like, they're just everything that's just so amazing about Hawaii. Just, they're, just, they're, they're just their spirit. Their aloha spirit was something mm-hmm. that you, you know, their whole family. Like, you, you meet them, you go to their restaurant, and then they're giving you everything and they're doing everything it just was such an you know really great relationship that started and so we just kind of kept that relationship going and then ultimately we ended up doing a couple projects together and so in san francisco we have a restaurant called trailblazer tavern it's in the salesforce building and it's them Uh it's michelle and wade you know it's it's a partnership with them but it's their cuisine it's their food so you know, so we get, so I get to do, I get to do exactly that. I get to dabble That's in it. Cool. I get to be involved in it, but really with somebody who really understands the foundation of it and what it really means. And, and, you know, the restaurant, um, has, it, it's been very successful. It's great to see that people embrace that. And, you know, and, it, and because of them, I think we were able to really capture the spirit and have it be, right. you know, authentic. Have it, yeah, yeah. be authentic and, mm. and just have that feel that I think you, you know, you, what, what do you want to capture with wine? The cuisine's great, but you really want to capture the spirit as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, how important is that? And one of the things, I think you're the first person that, like, like you dabble in so many different genres of cuisine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you seem to master all mm-hmm. of them, which I, is really hard. How, 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 how challenging is it to have that, like, Well, or, or is it because of those partnerships, it's, right? It, I mean. it, it's because the partnerships and the foundation of our company. So, like... We really, you know, like, and I think you know this, you know, I mean, I think like as a chef, you kind of, you know, I think a lot of chefs are either one way or another. Either you're all about like collaboration and sharing everything and really creating that foundation or it's a little bit more of these are my recipe. This is the way we're going to do it. We're mm-hmm. going to follow that pattern. I'd say I lean a lot more towards the first. Um, and so really it was important for me to set up an infrastructure that made sense to do that. And so having a really amazing corporate team of chefs and corporate team of ops folks and being able to then go to the partners and say, look, this is how we're going to do it so that it's really not taxing on you. Mm. And that was the biggest thing because that's how, you know, I've seen so many partnerships go both ways when two, when multiple chefs get together and, 
but I think that when it's really clearly defined, then you can get the best out of everything. And so that has been, the, I would say, probably the funnest part of my journey now is just being able to do a Japanese restaurant like Pabu with Ken Tamanaga, being able to do you know, International Smoke with Aisha Curry, being able to do Calmari with Adam Sobel. The, those relationships of really letting, creating the platform, getting to put what we know and what we do well to use, and then helping helping them, but also um, learning at the same time. I mean, and I think that it's, it's helped our, our team as well. Like, our culinary team loves it because they get to learn different cuisines yeah. without it just all being experimental. Were you always like that, though? Because it's very, like you said, oh, some chefs, it's their recipes, it's their thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you, when you started, like, with the expansion of your company... yeah. The, the world was trending more towards that way where it's sure. like, oh, this is the chef, this is one thing. And sure. you have namesake restaurants. And, yeah. Um, like, was that always, like, were you always as collaborative as you are now? Like, at 50 um, restaurants, you have to be, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, probably at one, I wasn't. At, at, at right. Aqua, I probably wasn't as co- collaborative. It was more like, this is the dish I want to do. Now let's all work on how to execute it. Right. But I think as soon as I got past one, as soon as I got to multiple even just to two or to three, um, we started to really look at what are what do we have to put in place to make it sustainable. And really, the thing that you know we started, we built. You know, we were lucky; we we're kind of in that tech, you know, world down in San Francisco. So mm-hmm. we were able to to build something that was really interesting. It's called Recipe Exchange, and now it's kind of become our platform. We run the whole company off of as far as operations go and it was really just a way for me to be able to collaborate with the chefs in all the different restaurants and so that it wasn't like oh well we got to schedule a call and we got to do this and you know so um it was a it was really a a site where they could put the recipe up put the dish up do a photo you know um i could approve it not approve it tell them what i think mm-hmm. so it wasn't always just trying to schedule a time I was able to do it whenever i had time whenever they had time and um, and then the site was what everyone in the restaurant used. And so it was really interesting because as a chef, you'll be – because we did this 15 years ago oh, wow. or something. Yeah. And it was – and um, I lost – at that time, I had seven I – had, I had nine restaurants, and I lost five of the chefs. Five of the Gosh. chefs were like, no, I'm not willing to share recipes. I don't want to share the recipes. I don't want to mm-hmm. – wow. I, I, I don't – you know, and for me, I was like – you know, now you have everything by the gram. You got everything, every recipe done the right way for all the cooks, for all the people in your restaurant, for your wait staff, for everybody's got a site. There's yeah. videos to every. There's videos to every dish, wow. and and uh, and it was okay because you kind of knew that's kind of what happens with technology, and mm. you you knew that you were going to have a shift, and that's when the real shift came, and um, and it worked out. It worked out great because now like. We can't live without it. Right. Mm-hmm. So because of your proximity to Silicon Valley, I'm assuming yeah. this, you're a pretty early adopter on that kind of technology. That seems it, it was. We had like s- amazing. Yeah, it was, it's, it's really... It, it and was, you're still using that process oh, now? We can't live without it. I mean, now oh. it's a lot more advanced, of course, which is right. great. Yeah. But no, we can't. We couldn't. I don't... There's no way we could run our business without it. That's and, that's where, and that's where I was going. Before you even mentioned the technology, which I was not aware of, mm-hmm. is... Because of your proximity to Silicon Valley and mm-hmm. San Francisco, was that just aura of collaboration and a lot of different minds coming together to make a company great, yeah. Treat, treating a small business like it's a giant publicly traded business? Like, mm-hmm. did any of that 
filter in to I, you, like just I mean, by os- osmosis yeah. in a way? I think I, I would say that, you know, obviously is really blessed with aqua because a lot of the people that are so successful in the world now used to eat their, some of them, but well before they were so successful. <laughs> and, and, um, and so, you know, you do get to interact with you know, some of the, really some of the most brilliant minds in that space and, and, and you know, kind of in changing, changing a lot of how the world functioned, right, at that time. And so I would say that that collaboration piece is obviously, you know, you, you know when you look at so many of the companies of Google, um, Salesforce, you know, Apple, any of them, you know, it's obviously there's so much of it, of that of how that way of thinking, and so we adopted as much as you, I think you can adopt in our industry. I mean, I think that you know, there's. Um, it, I think our industry is obviously so interesting because no matter how many restaurants you have, there still is the reality of there's a chef and a general manager, and it's kind of mom and dad, and the, they, those have to be no matter what you do. If those mm. two positions aren't on point, right. you know, and they do have to be the leaders. Like you can't. You know, it, I think that it's great to have a lot of collaboration, but there also has to be the voice that says, "Okay, this is, you know, this is what yeah. we are doing." Right. <laughs> no, that is the, that is the interesting part that like there comes, yeah, there has to be a there has to be protocol. Like it's a democracy right. to a, a decision point. maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. has to make quick decisions all the time. Not everything can you know, like, run up the corporate flagpole. No, let's, let's send out a group chat here. Yeah. No, yeah, uh, it, we got something that we have to do right here. Like, this this yeah. has to happen. Table yeah. forty-two needs service. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to the yeah. the, the recipe database right. uh, at, at the moment. So I want to go back to something you said about early on when you lost five of your nine chefs. Yeah, that seems like a pretty difficult point in a in the expansion and growth of, of mm-hmm. your company. But would you pinpoint that as the most difficult point, or or where along the way from no. one to forty-seven has been the toughest? Well, it, I mean. Look, I think that every, you know, I think that this is kind of the norm in our industry, right, is you you have a start in your first restaurant, and mine was Aqua in San Francisco, and it was a great start. It was, you know, I, I look back at it, and and um, I couldn't be more blessed. I couldn't have been more fortunate, um, And but you usually start out with a starter partner, and, yeah. you know, and you got to figure out if that you're going to be able to if that's sustainable, and a lot of times, you know, it, it isn't. I, you know, I, I owe a lot to my original partner, but he was much older than me, had a different, um, had a different, wanted to go in a different direction, mm-hmm. and also had, you know, had a situation, that, you know, like kid, you know, um, it's hard to, for chef, many chefs have been through this where yeah. you don't actually, it's hard to get what's promised to you on paper and we're not usually sure. that sophisticated Partnerships, at yes. the beginning. The like sure. we become more sophisticated <laughs> yes. with yeah. it, but you know, and we're also very focused on what we do 19 hours a day. And so we're not, it, we don't have time to, mm-hmm. to, to do that early on. And so when I had to, you know, when it, you know, at that point I had eight restaurants, um, in 2002 with your original partner my original partner and and uh and he was more of a financial partner but i realized that i was never going to get to build the company that i wanted to build and i was never Mm. going to actually be even if i was going to be taken care of okay it wasn't going to be able to take care of everybody else so you're going to lose them all anyhow so and so that's Mm. when i had to split up with him and that was you know, walking hard. away from Aqua was hard. That's that always, was, I mean, it always hard, as we've been through yeah. uh, partnership changes and stuff as well. Hey, every car comes with its share of stories that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. 
the luxury package you got after a big promotion when maybe you backed your car out of the garage with one of the doors open and you didn't realize it? Jasmine. Oh, yeah. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? Well, you already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Hey, listen, it's time to turn it up with your new favorite podcast, Expeditiously with T.I. And it's happening here on Podcast One. Join the rapper, entrepreneur, family man, and activist as he bridges the gap and sheds light on important social topics and much more in an authentic, eyebrow-raising dialogue that might make you want to pull out your dictionary. Download new episodes of Expeditiously with T.I. every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. This is a consulting episode for me, by the way, too. I just want to let you know that I'm viewing our time together as you consulting. You can charge him for that. Uh, exactly. So I do you think part of it is also that um, early on, certainly when like you were coming up in the business and when I was coming up in the business, that you know, as artists, because mm. I think chefs are probably more mm. naturally mm. artists than they are business people, Yeah. that we... We say things like, I remember saying to myself, like, I don't care about money. Right. Like, I remember like, being uh, like a naive cook and being yeah. like, I just care about food and right. just making beautiful art. And right. um, the fact is, like, you need to care to a certain degree about money and business yeah. and, and, and running a sustainable restaurant. hundred percent. I mean, I think that the, you know, every, I think that it's, a, it, it's just great what's going on in the world, you know, in the United States and in the world of food in this country and obviously people are much more knowledgeable than they were 10 15 years ago but also I'm glad that the press is more knowledgeable in the sense of we used to get you know I remember just going from one restaurant to two and just getting bashed for opening a second right. restaurant totally. right and yes. how as a chef are you, right. you know, how can you oh, be in two places, be in two places oh, at yes. one time and <laughs> nobody ever said you were in two places at one time right we're not right. we're not magicians we're right. chefs but fast forward Many chefs at that point said they'll never open a second restaurant. I remember all of the back and forth in the press and didn't, you know, honestly not being that in love with what certain people were saying because I felt like, you know, so many chefs that I've seen had, you know, been taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden this lawyer is a restaurateur, but they were, and it really was the chef. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. it was keeping our industry back, and I think it was keeping the quality of the food in the United States back. And I think that mm-hmm. now when you start to see a lot more chefs or true restaurateurs doing multiple restaurants, you know, you start to see how much, you know, how many more people they're impacting. Like when, 
you know, when Thomas Keller opens another restaurant, obviously he's impacting so many great young chefs and it's just training more people and everything else, or Dan, Chef Daniel Blue, or these people, right? And so you see it, and it just it's one and one makes three, and all of a sudden you can see how much of an impact it's had because mm. on throughout sure. the country. Now, yeah. uh, that's very kind of you, and as a, uh, someone who worked for Keller and Ballou, mm-hmm. amazing chefs and people that we love and mentors personally of yeah. mine, I will say, though, my trajectory was sitting in one of your restaurants, one of your bourbon steaks, <laughs> seriously, where I was eating your, I'm getting goosebumps. You can see, like, we have, we'll take a picture later. And realizing like, wow, this, this guy's got so many restaurants and the food is so good here. Thank you. And this is something that I want to do. Like you personally have inspired me Thank to be like, you. you know what? I don't want to just do one restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm too, I obviously my mind is too frenetic to, to, to <laughs> literally do one thing and sure. stand in front of one stove. Yeah. But like you were the guy who was like, you know, the way to do this and not every chef can. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people try to open up 50 restaurants sure. and inside the industry internally, you're like, uh, mm-hmm. somewhere down the road, yeah. it just becomes a name on a building. Right. And right. this is right. the calamari is horrible or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you like sort of proofs in the pudding mm-hmm. if you will yeah. did you have to like when you, you sort of mentioned this like idea of like selling out mm. how much yeah. of a struggle was that for you of like oh I'm doing multiple restaurants and now like when I'm having these conversations with mm-hmm. other chefs who run one brick and mortar like because uh, I fight through there's yeah, thank you um, first of all but you know I, I'll never say that there isn't gut-wrenching times where you know because for me my my process has always been the same I'll spend anywhere from whatever time it takes when we're opening like you know here you know i know i have done it enough now to know how much time it's going to take till the restaurant can actually sustain doing quality once i'm gone once the task force gone once everybody's gone Mm -hmm. and that wasn't so easy early on because sometimes you you know you got to be there for three months Mm -hmm. every second of the day until Mm -hmm. it's sustainable and i just think that um there still is the reality you can't just put your name on it and not be involved with getting it up off the ground and making sure that you know that it's got some you know that it's got yeah, the sustainability it to it. Yeah. So uh, personal venting here, but do you ever? Are, do you still get like the random DM tweet that's like, "I'm in one of your, I'm in restaurant 31 right now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, you know, and the and dish was overcooked, and I'm just blown away. Yeah. Can you, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, how yeah. do you respond to those things? I mean, um, obviously, you send it to the people that yeah, need to take care of the situation. You know, I, I mean, I think that. It, all of it is, it's all important, right? So you, you, you know, I think that um, as a chef, you're going to go one of two ways. You're either going to take every single complaint seriously, everyone that y- mm. you can, and you're going to say, okay, you know, we're going, to, we're going to be a company that gets to the bottom of it and figures out, you know, is there something to learn from that complaint, right? And that's the way we do it. And I think that, you know, because we all know that there's some that are completely unrealistic, mm-hmm. but... You, you still have to at least put them through a funnel, right? <laughs> right. And say, okay, here's the process. We're going to put them through this funnel, and we're going to look at every one of them. Yeah, but at least there's a moment where you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, for <laughs> right. sure. Or, or, here's the best. You know, I, but it's funny because I, for so many years, you know, well, it, there was things tech-wise that we were very forward in, then that then I wouldn't use text because at the beginning, I realized, like, people will text you things 
they would never ask yes. you if they actually called you. It's like Saturday That's night. True. They know that you've been sold out for three months. Hey, yeah. I'm on my way to your restaurant. I've got job. eight yeah. people with me. Can you get me in at seven o'clock? Right? You're like, totally. you're like, you would text me that, but you wouldn't call me up. This is <laughs> as someone who texted an NFL player yesterday for tickets that I would never have just picked up the phone but, and asked. Right. Him for. Totally. I yes. totally understand. And so I fought it for a while, but then I had. I to got do. an appropriate response <laughs> right. to that text as well. I did. Um, I did. Speaking of uh, like. Weird texts. And, well, one, I want to share one story of a tweet that I got about a guest who was in one of my restaurants uh-huh. who um, had a Jerusalem artichoke dish who then went to the doctor the next day and was having like some stomach sort of issues. And uh, they were being very gassy. I'm trying to be very polite about it. And the doctor said, oh, what did you have for dinner? And I had this dish of Jerusalem artichokes. And the doctor was like, oh, it causes flatulence. And so we got the, I got this nice Twitter DM (laughs) that was like, I think you should know, Hey, the dish was great, but you should put this on the menu. Disclaimer. Yeah. And this is a real email. Like, Hey, you should put that. This is going to make you fart. Like like your dish should be included. And it wasn't take it off the menu. It wasn't, it was like, no, you should like, you know, like the, the eating raw seafood warning on the bottom of menu. Yes. This is, that's what we're going to do now. That's right. So let me send this up to the GM of said location. I got a good one yesterday. Okay, please. I okay. had a good one sure. yesterday. Um, they, and it wasn't food related, but it was pretty funny. It just, you know, people uh, sometimes, you know, they're just <laughs> a little, little much. So in one of our restaurants last night, um, I guess, what, you know, was in, you know, complained. They tried to seat him at seven different tables. They said no to every table. Mm. And then there was, uh, they were four people and they decided to pick a table where four people were already sitting. They said, that's the table we want to sit at. Well, there's people sitting at that table. <laughs> right. Ask them to move. Yeah. No. <laughs> wow. Straight up. Ask them to move. Wow. <laughs> it's like, okay. That, that's, my, that's a little entitled. Yeah. You know? I mean, All right, are, so, so this yeah. opens into, I mean, you have 47 <laughs> restaurants and arguably San Francisco is a tough place to open a restaurant, mm. but what market have you found like the toughest to, oh. to, to jump into and maybe get more I'll, I'll, more than your average of those kind of emails. I'll jump in. Impossible to answer <laughs> this question, most likely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Are they all, are they all <laughs> tough? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, based on the last story you said, uh, uh-huh. you haven't opened up a restaurant in Rancho Santa Fe yet. <laughs> okay, because... Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're all coming here. Yeah, they're all coming here. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, so tough markets. I mean, I guess uh, the question you might be able to answer is, uh, market to market, how challenging mm. is that yeah. figuring out? Yeah, whether it's demographics so, or just you know I, price point, all of it. Yeah, I think it, I think it's all of it. I mean, I think that you know every market, and then and then it's not even just a market; it's the location within the market that mm-hmm. you've got to really figure out. You know how to how to be in the right spot, and it's always that's always challenging. But I mean, I think for us, it's always comes down to the you know to me. I, it's always about staffing, right? So, right. Yeah. you know, so even because you're going to get tough customers wherever you go. Yeah. That's just a reality. I mean, and and if you just, you know, it, one thing that we try to, you know, always understand and and try to keep the humility with just understanding that it is hospitality and they're your guests and you absolutely need to, you know, that's the most important thing is, is really to be hospitable because you still are throwing a party. You're still inviting them into your house. So you're going to have tough customers, but you know, it's really when this, when the staffing situations are tough, it makes it a lot mm-hmm. harder. So that's to me, their competitiveness, I think, and same with you, Jeff. I mean, I think, I don't think we look at, at this point in our careers, we're not looking at places and saying, 
it's too competitive quality wise we can't compete you know right. we can figure out how to compete but sometimes when staffing is really next to impossible then I start to say, you know, let's be careful going to this market if it's going to be impossible to staff. Yeah. And there's, you know, and there's obviously times, you know, San Francisco has its moments where yeah. staffing well, is and, I mean, next to impossible. Rent prices rent and yeah. everything prices else. Yeah. Health care, all those things. So high. I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, California can be challenging just in, yeah. in, in general. Uh, my strategy is basically wherever you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that's usually a good one. Now you're somewhat in the in the local market now, right? So I mean, we, our restaurants are further. Well, no, we're, again, we're close, but uh, yeah. So that's a chill. We'll, we will not be in this center because you're here now, and like the competition is too we'd be perfect, too tough. Um, you had mentioned uh, uh, real quick. You were talking. We were talking about text, and I mentioned athletes, and like you have a bunch of famous celebrity and yeah. athlete sort of uh, partners. Yeah. Um, with any partner, how do you front load them with the with risk? Yeah. Like when you when you when you're sitting down mm. with someone, even though they may have more money than the average person to risk, sure, um, it, the industry is incredibly tough. And how right. do you let person know this isn't closed? There's no clearance rack in food. It's an incredibly yeah. tough industry. Profit margins are slim. How do you go about yeah. that? I, I mean, I think absolutely you have to. And I think a lot of times, you know, when people are getting involved in this, they're you know. You, you, if they don't have a lot of experience in it, usually they have a financial advisor that does. And if they don't, then I spend more time letting them know the risk. But usually if they have a financial advisor, that's like a lot of the people that I'm sure you deal with, I deal with, they have them. And so you just spell it out on paper and you let them know what the, the risk is. I mean, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, people get into a get into investing in a restaurant for different reasons, right? It might be because it's a local project and they, you know, and they want to be part of it because it's right in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Or it might be because, like, with us, I don't do a lot of that. I don't have that many restaurants where we have actually very, very few where we've had individual raises for a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we do more if we are doing, if we're raising anything, it's for a overall concept. So like an international smoke where we're going to do more than one of them. Mm -hmm. And so at least it kind of takes the risk, takes some mm -hmm. of the risk um, because you're spreading it across multiple locations. You might not, um, you know, you might have one that doesn't work, but hopefully you don't have multiples that don't work. Right. Well, yeah. and, and that's the, where, the challenge, where the challenge is. How many, if you don't mind, what is the growth plan for International Smoke? How many locations are there right now? And what's the general sort of expansion it, plan? We have four locations right now. And then kind of the general plan is about one to two a year. Mm -hmm. um, so incredibly fast. Yeah. Very Silicon yeah. Valley. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very, very, very funded. Yeah. And um, th that, though, is also more challenging. Yes, that's the way to grow. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like you had also mentioned, like if one doesn't work out, yeah. um, which is a tough thing for you know chefs to sort of like absorb, right? Like, oh yeah, it's okay if like for the average business person, if you lose one of twenty, you're fine, right? Right, and and I think that again, I think that that's um, it, you know it's always been interesting to to like with bourbon steak where and bourbon steak and strip steak where we have you know like six bourbon steaks so delicious it, and we've been <laughs> we've been really fortunate in the sense that we haven't had any that haven't worked you know for that haven't worked some some you know how it is like some are going to work better than others of but course, at right. least knock on wood we haven't had any that haven't worked and i think it's part of it is because like you know you just start to understand 
what who you are and what your brand what you're trying to do with it and then you can do a better job of picking the right location so for me like this you know del mar was great like this really kind of like we this is our fourth but this is the one that where we put it all together where it feels mm-hmm. like this is international smoke moving forward for me like oh, it, it's perfect but, for us as well we, we right, live well, in del mar they, yeah. thank you <laughs> like i'm charging my tesla right now it's like i don't know if you thought this was like, like this is just i'm like uh, getting a free tesla charge out of the, of the conversation uh near the back end we play a little game you down to have some fun sure this is called this game is called, and Jasmine writes the games. You want to say what yeah. it's called? Oh, this one's called, um, What Do You Mean What Do You Mean So we're looking for a Michael Mina <laughs> hot takes mm-hmm. on some trendy, newsworthy food. Yeah. So things. just give us a couple beats on, like, yeah. so you we'll, know, what you think about the yeah, things we'll that we're about to read off and here. Okay. Give us your thoughts. Okay. No cheating. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. This one is uh, pretty close to home for us, but mm-hmm. Popeye's chicken sandwich. Has been launched. I don't know if you're familiar with the chicken sandwich wars that are happening right. this week between Popeyes, Chick Fil A, and uh-huh. was it Wendy? I don't it's, know who the other one is. Yeah, but Popeyes has 23 million dollars in sales since August 12th and started a chicken sandwich war with like Chick Fil A. People are waiting hours in line right. for a chicken sandwich. What does that really? mean? Really? What does I, that mean? What that? I I don't know. I do. I I gotta say I do. I I I can definitely take down a Chick Fil A chicken sandwich here and there. So. This is, listen, I mean, yes, politics and all that aside, there is a. We lived in Atlanta for a number of years. Yeah. Like, uh, it's a good chicken sandwich. Yeah. Uh, but from what I hear and what Migos say, I don't know if you're a hip hop fan. Yeah. The Pop, Popeye sandwich is supposed to be better than Chick Fil A. Really? And it's pretty much like straightforward. Like it's a chicken sandwich with a pickle that's the same type of sandwich I think yeah, they came mm. after him they came after him hard so oh, yeah they came <laughs> I, you know I think it's probably a good strategy for them they're probably getting a lot of um, mileage out of it right now yeah. you um, what, what is the most casual concept a quick sidebar what is the most mm. casual thing you do because you, you also stay relatively high end with all your work. well we have the street in Hawaii which okay. has 14 casual concepts in it so it's a food hall but it's oh, cool. but it has 14 casual ones so like for me and again that's partnerships with chefs but I I did one called Little Laffa, which is Middle Eastern. Mm. And um, so it's like Laffa bread with, you know, with different, um, whether it's, you know, um, falafel, whether it's, uh, you know, hummus, uh, harissa chicken, different, different fillings in it. And, um, and so that one is, that one is branded to me. And then in the food hall, we have a lot of different partners, but um, actually Michelle and Wade did a really cool one. It's called Burger Hale. And so it's like, with Burger House in Hawaiian, and right. she did like these shave ice milkshakes. It's really nice. good. Oh, it's wow. really good. Mark that one right. down. Go ahead and over there. But I love that. I, I mean, that's, by the way, a brilliant idea to have like your own food uh, court, basically. <laughs> and it's like all your stuff, but they have different names yeah. on it. It's yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, are, you, are, you not doing, are you doing any digital, like ghost restaurants where they're just, no. it's just, okay, you're no. too fancy. Yeah. You're too no, I, advanced. I, advanced. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. What do you mean, uh? Uh, meatless burgers replacing mm-hmm. veggie burgers across the country. There's actually is it and regular burgers. It's the Whopper. What is the Whopper, Whopper now? Yeah. It's Whopper big, is like an impossible. Whopper. It's an impossible right. Whopper. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. What, 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 what what's your take on the on the meatless burger um, trend? I haven't I haven't fallen in love with it yet. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I think that I think that mate. You know, I think I'm sure you make your own veg burger. We do. I like trying to say that it's meat. You know, I think it gets. I think it's manipulated. Pretty heavily, right? And, yeah. and I, to me, I'd rather just make a great veg burger and use all of the products that make a great veg burger. Yeah, there know. is always that thing. It seems like you're saying the same thing. It's like when you're creating vegetarian food or yeah. vegan food, the desire to create something meat-like, a meat-like, with right? It's yeah. always been weird. I do it yeah. all the time, so yeah. like I'm guilty of it myself. Yeah. But 
it is, you know, the Franken meat you know. stuff is yeah. is weird. There's yeah. a, and if you're if you eat a lot of food and ground beef, like you know, I do. Like yes. there's mm-hmm. just a, there's just a little nuance to it yeah. where you know it isn't meat, right? Yeah. And right, it's a little that yeah. uncanny valley. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I, thank you for saying that, by the way. Yeah, I like. I, I prefer the regular veggie burger on a menu type thing as well. Yeah, so I just I think I'm there's there so many ways that. to make them so delicious now yeah. that you you know. Okay, here's one. Uh, speaking of things that are delicious to most people and very timely, pumpkin spice. Oh, it's about, it's we're about in that season. No, it was launched today, was I believe. Uh-huh. Starbucks? Uh-huh. I believe you can go to Starbucks uh-huh. today and get a pumpkin spice uh-huh. latte. Okay. We're in the season. Uh, everyone who's basic Already? is getting their pumpkin no. spice latte. See, that's a good no, response. Not in this weather. <laughs> right, yeah. Not here It's in only July. 84 today. Uh, I think that, you know, to me, pumpkin spice is one of those things that, boy, you're going to use it you better know how to use it because it's so powerful (laughs) and if if it's used right and it's subtle and 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 it's used right i i I don't you know i don't mind it but right are you ordering anything with it though like no way (laughs) (laughs) too risky (laughs) Uh, is it not is is it is is pumpkin pie your holiday pie of choice or Uh, yeah i'll always be a traditionalist when it comes to you know holidays um you know if Thanksgiving, you got to have a pumpkin pie, and it's got to be perfect. Okay, right? but know how know how much nutmeg. Exactly. Be, be mindful of the nutmeg. Yeah. yeah, be mindful of how to measure. Right. There it is. Uh, this one, very Silicon Valley meal delivery kits mm. uh, and meal delivery services. Right. I mean, there are robots walking down the street mm-hmm. of San Francisco. Well, right. I guess rolling down the street yeah. of San Francisco, right. delivering, delivering people's lunches. Uh-huh. Uh, they're putting brick and mortar restaurants out of business. I just mentioned ghost restaurants. Uh-huh. Where do you see this? What does it all mean? Yeah, I, you know, look, I think that anything, um, uh, you, you, we obviously are seeing that there's big success to it, right? And so it is happening. So I think, you know, as chefs, we always have to figure out how are we going to adjust or are we going to adjust, right? So are you going to adjust in your restaurant or are you going to start to, you know, think about how if you're going to do have food that gets picked up and gets delivered and, and, you know, in some restaurants we do and some we don't, how are you going to? make that a better experience when it gets there you know how are you going to package it what are you going to do with it and and to be honest that's you know we're 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 thinking about it a lot right now like how do you do it yeah because you can't ignore it from the business side i mean we have a location that does almost 30 percent of sales right right it's it's kind of like uh Video village is just there's just tablets dinging all over. Right. The room. I mean, even in restaurant right. construction, I think you're starting to see them build yeah. rooms specifically for you know the Uber Eats pickups and, and all 100%. that. Hundred percent. It's, it's yeah. kind of crazy how it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it is something that you're you obviously you're looking oh, yeah. into because absolutely and you know and and the meal kits I wouldn't say that you know we do anything with the meal kits. Um, I think that people that I, I don't mind the meal kits because if. You know, say you cut down eight of the ten steps of something that you would normally have to cook, but then there's still somebody still cooking a little bit at home and then feeding their family. I'm good right. with that. I yeah. think that that's better than you know, just they are taking potential reservation away from a from a brick. And yeah, brick, right? I, I, yeah. I mean, I think for that, obviously, you know that that you know it's something that we all have to think about. My take sure. has always been on the meal kits that if you've done one, and we've had sponsors on this podcast that mm-hmm. are meal kits. And we've cooked through some of them just to mm-hmm. see what they're like. And they're delicious. Yeah. And they're great. And then you realize, though, I think if you're an average person, not, by the way, you're not you're an average person. You're referring to me as the average well, person? No, okay. you're well above Got average. It. <laughs> but like, if you're not a trained chef, right. even if you do three of them, you start realizing, hey, 
You taught me how to cook. Right. right. I don't need the meal no kit kidding. anymore. You sent me the recipe. I'm going to make a dressing. Right. I'm going to toss it with some chickpeas. Right. I don't right. need the meal kit anymore. I think some people still just like to revert to that. Like, here's my recipe. Here's all my mise en place. And it's right yeah. in front of me. And they don't want to do any yeah. of those preparatory steps. But, yeah, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, what does this all mean, uh, chef? The New York Times declares the molecular gastronomy fad of foams is back. It's back. It's back? That's, that's what, what the, I mean, the Times is saying. This, this, this is not Richard Blaze. Yeah, you're wishing it. You've been wishing it. It's been back, but um, no, I think it was like an article last Sunday that that came out in the Times where it's it's back and it's being. Well, we also had that delicious shave ice with the Hopia foam. Oh, that was uh, good. Kauai last week. So uh, you know, Um, yeah. I I mean, look, I don't I don't know if it was really gone. I'd say that's well, maybe not frowned upon, but maybe overused. I think was you know for for a while there. Well, and I don't, and I can't. I think just because the time says it's back doesn't mean it's going to be used right. Um, True. <laughs> but it might be back. But I think if they say it's back, maybe it'll start to be used more again. And it'll, you'll start to see, you know, some people doing amazing things with it and some people that shouldn't be doing anything with it. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. the failing New York Times. I'm not sure if – I'm just kidding. Uh, there we go. Um, last one here. Competitive cooking shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and dump and stir cooking shows, mm-hmm. which basically means or. all cooking shows, yeah, uh, are on a decline and are dying a slow death. Mm-hmm. Thus, putting a good portion of my welfare at risk. <laughs> 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 That's funny. That's funny. What does um, it all mean? Is it true? Do you think? Are they going? Um, are they dinosaurs, or are they just you know chugging um, along? Yeah, I. I I can't say that I watch an enormous amount of them. Um, probably you've been in them. you've been in Did. Guy's Ranch Kitchen. Yeah, oh, no, right. no, 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 yeah, absolutely. Right. But I I wouldn't. But to, to answer the question, I still have just as many guests every night in my restaurants, if not more, talking about them. You know, yeah. so I don't know. I don't have the numbers. I couldn't yeah. tell you, but I could tell you from the number from the amount of people that have interest in it. And my take on all those shows and what I've said over and over, I'll say it again, is anything that brings awareness to our industry is a positive, right? Mm-hmm. And so people like yourself, there's so many people that, Guy, there's so many people that have brought so much awareness and brought attention to our industry and it's helped, it, it's helped our industry. So I don't, I hope it, you know, I hope it continues because people are into it. I yeah. mean, like you, you start a conversation about one of these shows with a guest that's into it. My God, they're yeah. like, they're, they, you know, they, they know everything about yeah. it. And you have, I mean, you have people that take specific road trips and plan their rest stops based on guys, um, di- diners, drive-ins oh, and dives, yeah. right? I mean, so it's, it's there. What 100%. was your experience like on, on the ranch there? Up- oh, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And I, and, and I think that, you know, it's, you know, it's chefs like you, it's chefs like guys, it's people that have the charisma and the ability to make us all, because not all of us love act, you know, like I don't wake up in the yeah. morning and say, I'd much rather do a show today than be, a, than be in the restaurant because I'm just more comfortable in the restaurant, right? And Guy was amazing at like being like, yeah. okay, we're going to make you comfortable, we're going to have... And we also did a shot of tequila. So. <laughs> <laughs> some of that relaxes yeah. <laughs> There's some donkey sauce on the side. Shot of tequila. No, the ranch is special. That's a special show because it's kind of in between the two shows we're talking about. Right. right. Yeah. It's right. a bunch of chefs hanging out in a friendly way. Yeah. yeah. There's a little yeah. like friendly competition happening, right. but no right. one's going home at the end of the day. Actually, right. I think I've 
might have been you sent home. were the first one ever to be sent <laughs> yeah, home. First yeah, the first one ever to be. It hasn't aired yet, so I probably shouldn't <laughs> say that. Yeah. Um, but so you're, it's good for the industry. But what yeah. about your team members? Mm-hmm. Like when they come to their GM mm-hmm. or their executive chef and they say, hey, I can go on Chopped. I, I got yeah. a chance oh, to do 100%. this. Yeah, 100%. Just go for it. Just- 100%. Yeah, I mean, Gerald, who's the corporate chef of steak and of smoke, right. he won Chopped. Um, you know, uh, I have multiple. Adam Sobel, he's just Adam is, the, yeah. by the way, quick little uh, shout out to Adam. Yeah. One of my favorite people. Yeah. Like one of my favorite yeah. follows on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and like that's a that's also like the the mentoring aspect of, yeah. of Adam and yourself. Yeah. I think is a is 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 pleasure to watch. Like yeah. how close you guys are and, and how successful 100%. he's becoming. Yeah, yeah. No, and and you know, I mean, I think that anybody that you know, um, we what we'll do if they if they have the opportunity to be on the show, we'll just help set them all up and you know make sure that they've got whatever they need to go there and hopefully compete and be successful for them. It's good for their career and it's good for our restaurants. Yeah, so the competitive, uh, you're fine with the, the competitive nature of it. Like you're, yeah. And you're never feeling uh, like, oh, if they don't win, chopped. Well, yeah, as long as they don't lose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's like, you know, it, look, it, I know that it's, it's not easy to do that, right? So they've mm. got to, you know, no matter what, it's going to be a good learning experience for them, without a doubt. I mean, it's a lot of pressure and, and you get cameras all over you. So yeah. it's a good learning experience whether they win or lose. It's, you know, they're going to get something out of it for sure. A hundred percent. Even if it's just life experience, right? Uh, Chef Michael Mina, you're amazing, dude. You're an incredible influence to me. Thank you Thank for everything you. that you've done. Last mm. thing we do on the podcast is called 86. It's 86. Okay. Something in the world, your world, the food world, anything it can be that you want to 86 and get rid of. Liquid smoke. Oh, oh yes. Get rid As of we it. sit in international oh, nice. smoke. Get rid where of it. Obviously, no liquid <laughs> smoke will gross. be found yeah. ever. <laughs> Only natural international smoke get will be found here. So tell us why. Oh, because like. I could give. I wouldn't even need to tell you. I can just give you a drop of it, and you'll be tasting it all day. So. Right, right, right. Yes, it's like, it's like yeah, I would have said, you know, truffle oil, but that one has been used so much, right? It's true. It's yeah. just it's it's perfume. It's not, you know, just get rid yeah. of liquid yeah. smoke. I always say that somewhere. I know someone told me that like there is one brand of liquid smoke that's natural. Like you can't imagine that it would be good for or you whatever it is. Either like I just I don't, know. don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't, even if it is, right, there's certain things you just can't let loose in people's hands. I had an amazing meal not too long ago, and, it, and every course was great. And the second to last course had liquid smoke in the dish and didn't use it the right way. And the rest of the night, that's all I tasted. Uh, I, right. I, I oh, it is not everything. Yeah. Well, I should then <laughs> probably apologize if you wake up and see me on a morning show soon doing a pumpkin spice liquid smoke latte. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just go with the flow. Chef, you're awesome. Thank Thanks. you so much. Congratulations Thanks, yeah. on all the success. Also, Thanks. we didn't mention in the podcast, congrats on the four-star Chronicle review yeah. earlier this year when we talk about amazing. all those things. To be able to do that while having 50 other projects going, I know that that was Thank a big you. moment Insane. for you guys. Yeah. Well-deserved. Yeah. You're amazing. Anything you ever need locally, let us know here in uh, San Diego. Uh, And until, of course, and until next week, everyone, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, 
you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.